Welcome to Alfalfa, a free-flowing, irreverent, digestible, somewhat degenerate crypto podcast for all, powered by Collective Shift. Entrepreneurs and investors Armand Asadi, Nick Urbani, Steven Cesaro, and Eric Johansson dive deep into crypto, blockchain, DeFi, NFTs, the metaverse, and Web3, all while layering in the latest in tech, money, and politics, feeding you the alpha you need to grow. Make sure to check out collectiveshift.io for crypto insights and alerts and use code alfalfa for 50% off your first month. A friendly but serious reminder, this is not financial advice and is for entertainment only. Do your own research. Also, please subscribe to the show and tell your DGen friends all about us. Now let us begin. Not right on the teleprompter. I don't know what that is. I've never seen that. No, there is. We are going to do sting. Yeah. Okay, but okay. now I can't read it. There's no. There's no words on it. Okay. <laughs> there's no play words. us out. Play us, play us out. out. What is? What the hell does that mean? Play us out. It's, sting is going to do. It's a video. Sting video. Sting. What is? I don't know what that means to play us out. What does that mean? And <laughs> shut it up. Yeah. Yeah. All right, go, go. In five, four, three. That's tomorrow, and that is it. Again, five. That four. breath. <laughs> He's so pissed. That deep breath. <laughs> With a, I can't do it. I'll do it live. No, I'll do it live. Fuck it. <laughs> I can't write it. I'll do it live. I'm dying. Oh. Things <laughs> Four, three. That's tomorrow, and that is it for us today. I'm Bill O'Reilly. Thanks again for watching. We'll leave you with Sting and a cut off his new album. Take it away. Take it away. <laughs> Why is this so best, goddamn good to me? The best part is like oh. they have like the the internal camera, like the security footage after he like gets off the air and he oh. rips off. Mike and throws it. Oh. I've never seen that. Oh. What? Last you haven't time. seen this? Not the, oh. well. I haven't seen the, you know, like that after. Yeah. No. You. you I think that's <laughs> part of the original video. Oh my god. Fucking oh, I'm dying. Hold on. Pop. 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 Oh, oh my god. This shit's it. working. Fuck pop, it. We'll pop, do pop, it live. Pop. I think we're gonna use that as our as our intro. Let's just go, boys. So, uh, fuck it. We'll do it live. Welcome to Alfalfa. Um. You know, at the end of the last episode, we mentioned something at the very, very end of the last episode that I think we should mention at the beginning. So we talked about how we really want to just generally um, open up the conversation, engage with you guys, open up the community. We're having a fuck ton of fun. And uh, it seems like you guys are too. And we really appreciate you for listening and being here. So what we would ask you uh, is if you want to be more directly uh, connected with us, you know, we have our own little iMessage thread. We have a WhatsApp thread with this extended alfalfa support squad of uh, mostly uh, in real life friends. And we're talking about just generally expanding that to the listeners of this show and uh, just growing this whole thing, right? I mean, that's the whole point uh, is to engage with you guys and help you guys and give more and more alfalfa. So hit us up on Twitter, send us a DM and just say alfalfa and we'll add you to our list. 
and uh, we'll start working on what that looks like. I have no idea what it's going to look like. I don't know if it's going to be a Discord or a Telegram or a fucking, I won't say Facebook group because everybody hates those. But the point is, we will do something. And we'll start to to just open this thing up between episodes. We've also been talking about uh, working toward doing these live uh, every once in a while and uh, taking questions and just engaging with you guys and all kinds of stuff. So again, uh, send us a DM on Twitter uh, with the word alfalfa and uh, we'll save we'll save your info and we'll add you to the list. Um, also, if you want more content related to crypto, um, Collective Shift, check out Collective Shift, collectiveshift.io. Collective Shift is an investment education hub with a ton of advice and information on everything related to crypto from the absolute beginning of your journey all the way through the most advanced levels. I'm learning every single day, um, for sure. And uh, we're putting out all kinds of stuff. Actually, this week, something really cool that Collective Shift did is we're putting together an NFT portfolio. And uh, this is a long-term blue chip NFT portfolio. And we're actually buying. We're buying and we're, we're like basically taking you along for the journey with us. Same thing with like short-term uh, sort of early stage opportunities. There's a portfolio for that. So this is everything from community to actually getting access to the latest research from analysts to what are we actually buying, trading, selling, and showing you the whole thing. So definitely check that out and use our code alfalfa at the checkout for a special little perk and discount. Again, the link to that is in the description below. Use code alfalfa. <clears throat> And uh, last but not least, before we kick off, we had a, a a fun little listener review, Nick, that I thought oh, we yeah. might uh, let me uh, read let me pull out. that bad boy up here. So from Johnny O2, I'm not sure who Johnny O2 is, but thanks for listening. Um, his review on Al, uh, Apple Podcast was great show. Listen weekly and put in put it in the same class of expert knowledge along with Bankless and Kevin Rose. 100 required listening for those taking advantage of opportunities in Web three. Would love to join the private community WhatsApp if I can score an invite. So um, Johnny O2 wants an invite. If you guys want one too, if you guys think it'd be a good idea for us to kind of, um, you know, pull everyone together and, and share some alpha alpha together, let us know and we'll keep working on it. Put something together. We can, we can do that. Cause I think that would be, I personally think that was fun, but if you guys think it'd be worthwhile, then, then let us know. And uh, yeah, we'll get to work on it. I think Johnny O2 deserves an invite. Let's get him in there. And with that kind of review, Sure Thank you, Johnny. So, Johnny O2, if you're listening, we need your we need we need to be able to contact you. So, uh, hit us up on Twitter. Uh, send yeah. us a DM, DM us. so that we have your handle, your email, and we'll uh, we'll get you in the list. Um, so, yeah, thank you guys. Like, we really appreciate it, and we're having a lot of fun, and we're listening. <sighs> Speaking of uh, listening, I've been doing too much listening, too much reading, too much everything. Uh I think we all kind of are on the same page around this, but the whole space has been very overwhelming lately from crypto to Web3 politics in general. Everything has just become heavy over the last couple of weeks. And I don't know if it's just that there's more things happening, which is obviously part of it, or that there's just more and more instantaneous access to this information on multiple platforms hitting at every possible angle from every citizen journalist all at once, and my brain is going to explode. Like, that's the way I've just been feeling lately. But there's been some chaos happening in Web3, and I think, Stephen, uh, you should break that down 
because the whole space in general, crypto Web3 space has been like on fire from fraud and the wormhole deal to people, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars to people getting canceled and cancel culture making its way. And I don't even know which piece to hit first, but never yeah, a dull moment. Never yeah, a dull nuts. moment. Yeah, it's last really week nutty was definitely week. less. Yeah, <laughs> less crypto, yeah. more politics. But yeah, yeah, very little like coin stuff is on my mind from last week. I mean, we had the the wormhole hack, the the the, the largest bridge. I don't know if it's the largest bridge to Solana. Maybe the solid bridge is larger, but like a huge bridge to Solana. You know what people use to transfer coins to Solana from Ethereum. There's what three hundred million dollars worth of ethereum basically exploited um and i think uh yeah jump the uh trading firm along with the other vcs who kind of back solana just made it whole i uh, i think they're making money hand over fist i think they kind of control the uh, mev of the entire solana network so they're able to kind of profit on a lot of the uh transactions in the solana dark forest there so maybe not a big financial hit to them but that, that was pretty crazy i mean for a while like 30 percent of all the eth on solana or something like that was like effectively wor worthless or a hundred percent of the eth was 30 percent worthless um so that was pretty crazy but i think the uh the other stuff that was big last week has been this whole debate that sprung up on on web3 and and cancel culture uh, had a lot of bleed over from the the Joe Rogan events in the the real world and the crypto. Um, notably, there were uh, two people uh, canceled. the 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 first one was this guy Brantley, uh, Brantley .eth. I believe he was a developer for for uh, ENS, right? Um, somebody pulled up some. Uh, they did the old pull up your tweets from uh, five years ago. Uh, game on game and. <laughs> should we should yeah, we all uh, like be looking back like anytime soon? Should there be like a date in the calendar? Please, to, like, please don't tell anybody to start searching through my Twitter. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't even know. Why I just put that out there. Like, yeah. So I mean, he he tweeted some stuff that like is not. I think most people would say is not like ideal, right? Have, have you guys seen the tweet? Uh, I have. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. 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 Pretty it's his personal religious beliefs is the way I look at that. I, that's my yeah, whole, so like, I, I'm I'm kind of torn on uh, this, right? Like, so it's, the tweet is homosexual acts are evil, transgenderism doesn't exist, abortion is murder, contraception is a perversion, so is masturbation. I mean, I, I heard that uh, down at the park today from a homeless person. Like, what's the you know? I hear that all the time. <laughs> like, or I mean, from I'm, your I'm pastor at your local uh, church. Yeah, I'm guessing sorry, people yeah. got a little more uh, upset over the uh, homosexual and transgenderism part versus the uh, porn. Although maybe, but I literally hear that everywhere. Really and if social media is the town hall. Of our of our digital world, my question that comes up immediately with all this stuff is always like, why? I don't know. Like, how much is a person's personal? Um, oh God, it's so hard to even like. Well, can, can we set a little backdrop on yeah. on on why this is particularly interesting? So, ENS Ethereum name service. Um, you know, you can set up your own dot ETH. And not only can you can you use it as like a handle and part of your profile, but you can use it to send ETH back and forth, any kind of, you know, um, ERC-20 tokens. Um, it's just as good as any Ethereum address. You can use it to name your, name, name your wallet, brand your wallet. But in particular, 
He's director of operations at ENS. He's part of this public good for the community. And not only was he part of this public good, but ENS didn't airdrop to all previous users. If they had an ENS domain, I think it had something to do with how old and how many. Um, but in any case, it was a really successful airdrop. People made tens of thousands of dollars for free for just participating in this community. So if you can imagine this person's director of operations, and he built quite the public profile and quite a bit of, of public love because he was part of you know airdropping cash to, to this community for being um, you know participants. And a few months later, this comes out and it's kind of like a shock because people didn't notice it. And he, he comments that, oh, you finally noticed that like I have Catholic as the first thing in my, my bio. And to him, it's, you know, been part of his personality this whole time. Um, and who, who he is as a person. And they dug it up from, I don't know, five, six, seven years ago. Um, but so you had everyone kind of loving this community member who's driven such a good public good for that. For the, for the community. And now something comes out that no one likes. And so we have this, this persona that everyone built in their head is this, you know, great developer, director of operations, creating this great technology. And now it conflicts with what they, what everyone kind of deems is what a good person is. So we have this conflicting thing and it's, do you, should you care what he thinks? Because he's obviously doing a good job. I mean, not only is he doing a good job at building uh, a technology platform, but he airdropped cash into everyone's pocket. So I think that background is important, you know, in the buildup to this and why maybe it was pretty shocking for people to hear. And then um, some kind of conflict people, everyone faced in terms of, well, he's doing a good job at his job, but there's this other thing. And where do we go from here? So I think it's important to provide that context in the, on the story, I guess. Yeah. Thank, thank you for that. <laughs> that was important backdrop. Yeah. I think right away you're seeing that like we lump the whole crypto community together a lot, like just a blanket term, but there, there are very distinctly like different people within, you know, what we would call crypto web three. Um, you know, when I look at, I, I looked at a lot of takes on this, a lot of responses, and there's a very clear divide between who, who I'd classify as kind of like the traditional, like OG, Bitcoin kind of cypherpunk-esque movement versus like the people who kind of came in for for NFTs. Um, and it kind of makes sense if you think about it. I think that like there there are two different like human mindsets, right? We think of this kind of like creative artistic mindset versus like the anarcho-capitalist mindset, right? Those are those are two different types of people. Um, it's like one of the reasons why we see so much of like Hollywood is in, in like entertainment is, is, is leftist, right? Whereas like, you know, if you go into college, the, the most conservative major is, is, is engineering, right? There's just something about the way people's brains operate, right? As a default. And they kind of go into these two camps. So I saw a lot of kind of like uneasiness to put it lightly about the Brantley firing from the, the, the kind of OG crypto community and, and virtually everybody in NFT land, you know, I don't want to lump everybody in together, but like overwhelmingly the people in the sort of like NFT space, right? That sect of, of, of Ethereum were, were like pretty for it, right? And, and I, I think both groups like make really good points um, and, and really 
bad points and and whether it's good or bad it, it sort of kind of depends on your your spectrum and sort of like how many layers deep you're thinking right i i've observed that a lot of the crypto people the og crypto people they're thinking about this from like a first principles perspective right it's like they're like yes yes so if you look at this it's 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 most of us would think that it's bad right in isolation but what are the downstream effects of what you want to do like what what kind of precedent will it cause? What kind of rules are we setting up in this new world that we're building? And what what are the trade-offs going to be of what that kind of world we're building is, right? Whereas I think a lot of people were just like, no, this there a lot of people were just like, no, this is just wrong and we don't we don't have to tolerate it. Um from from my perspective, I think like there there's obviously like something uneasy about we're building this world that is supposedly a quote unquote decentralized, right? A world where you know, in theory, someone for better or worse should be sort of like free from like being oppressed by these kind of like centralized power structures, if you will. And one of the main things that I think kind of sucks about the Brantley firing is that it's not like he was really fired by the community in a consensus way, right? Like, I think there was a nonprofit that kind of handles the dev for ENS, if I'm not mistaken. True, true and, names and, limited, and that, I believe. Yeah. yeah, that nonprofit, whoever runs that, they're just like, nah, he's out. And something about that does feel kind of wrong, right? I don't, I don't know what you guys think about this, but it, it, it feels it feels dirty to me. Like what he said does feel dirty. I, we also should acknowledge that what he said is literally probably a belief of like half this planet that's like really yeah. religious and adheres to like the Old Testament. Maybe right? not so half, but we're kind a of, lot. Yeah. yeah, a lot. We'll call it like billions of people. I, yeah. I venture to bet there's a billion people who believe one. what he believes. We'll and, put one beyond. Yeah. yeah. And like people I know who are very Catholic and who may share some of these beliefs, I, I know they would point out like he didn't say homosexuals are evil. He said the acts are evil. Hate the, hate the sin, not the sinner. Some people would be like, nah, it's a cop out, whatever. But I, you know, I think that is worth a little bit of merit. Um, but like, if if we're gonna take this like position, what does does that mean? We just exclude everybody who's like old Old Testament religious from all of Web three? Is, is that I, the, I personally the don't get defining? it. I really don't get it, Stephen. Um, and I'm trying to be like more uh, thoughtful about this and and try to like I would love to even cross examine myself a little bit on this. But to me, this is pretty terrifying. I think it's an absolute tragedy. I don't know the context and the details enough. But I also don't think the details really matter here. This is a person who made a statement on Twitter, regardless of when they made it. I don't care if they made it yesterday or if they made it five years ago. The point is, is a person. This is their belief. I don't care what they believe. What does that have to do with your job? I don't give a fuck. And the reality is that if everybody was going to get canceled from their jobs and fired for things that they say and do in their personal lives, then no one should have a job. No one should have a job. And if we're going to talk about this whole like decentralized future in the way that we're trying to build it, that's a whole other bucket that's really interesting. But the most important thing here for me is that uh, do I think what he said is wrong? I think it's disgusting. I couldn't disagree more with somebody like that. I think if he was sitting here right now, I'd be like, bro, you're a fool. Like, you still believe stuff like that, bro? Like, I mean, I'm saying it to you right now. Like, if you're listening, Brantley, like, you really still believe stuff like that, man? You should come have a drink with us if you drink. Let's talk about this. That's absurd. Like, if you want to be religious, be religious, but don't go around spewing hate. Now, if you want to do that on Twitter, you know how we dock you? We unfollow you. 
You know how else we dock you? We take away your privileges in life socially. We don't take your job away from you. If you don't like somebody, you don't like them. You delete them, you block them, you unfollow them, you move on. You don't take somebody's job from them because of something they do in their personal lives. If we're going to do that, then we might as well just become China. That's it. Like, that's China to me. That's like, you did something in your personal life. I'm going to dock your social score and it's going to affect your ability to buy plane tickets, get a job, get a rent, you know, get a rental property. Like, how does it not become that? That's already that. Maybe I'm like oversimplifying this, but to me, it's like an absolute tragedy. I mean, well, what's, I disagree your, with you. what's what's your limiting principle? Like, what if what if he what if the first line was Jews should not exist? My limiting principle, I guess, would have to be like, honestly, just uh, in the legal system, what is a crime and hate speech? I think that if the person does something to hurt the company, like from a perspective of fraud, uh, that's very important. I think that if they directly affect the company out you're you know you can't accept that but if we're talking about personal beliefs like what if the narrative was that it's really disrespectful to say you're a cow and this person just had tweets that said they were a cow i just don't understand how we're going to draw these lines yeah i mean it is the same thing like you can you can like i know that's a terrible analogy but like whatever (laughs) it is i mean i'm not and again this is open to anybody like eric i want to hear your take on this but Whatever we say socially is acceptable, who defines that? And then if the person that defines that is able to say, okay, we as the company are going to say you have to be out because of things that you've said, then everybody is up for getting not only canceled, but losing their jobs and losing their livelihood because of personal beliefs. Well, I think um, I'm glad you admonished his views because like I- Of course, they're terrible. I mean, they're terrible. And and frankly, we're four individuals from four different ethnic backgrounds and we're best friends in real life. So like, of course, we're not espousing racism, but I've like thought about, I've thought about this situation. And, uh, Wait, did I, you say something racist too, or just homophobic? Sorry, sorry, sorry. Prejudice. Prejudice okay. is, is the better term. Sorry. Um, but like they're cut from the same cloth, aren't they? You know, like it's the same, same deal. If you're, if you're just like prejudiced against a group doesn't matter their color or whatever. Um, the Brantley thing, I think comes down for me, I've thought about it a lot. It comes down to freedom, right? So like on the one hand, you have Brantley's freedom. On the other hand, you have like the, the organization's uh, rights and their freedoms. So um, in, in this situation, Brantley has his right to free speech or has his right to his own beliefs, okay? And, and he expressed those beliefs and that's good, that's fine. Um, he's not in jail or anything, you know, like he's not in jail. He's free to express those beliefs. People that work with him don't like those beliefs. Okay. And then you can even take it a step further. Um, he alienated existing customers of that protocol and he existed potential customers of that protocol of that protocol. So it's like, it, it does actually hurt the business. Like you're asking him to be a human that is fully encompassed in his job only to not have the ability to freely express himself outside of the role that he represents at his company. I had people that worked for me in the past that were of the exact same belief system, by the way, that had the same tweets. I have people that were trans, by the way, I've been in a unique position that I had trans employees. I've had gay, lesbian, bisexual, everything under the sun employees. 
they are very active politically and in their personal lives. If I woke up one day and was like, I've had enough of this, I'm going to fire you. That's wrong. But here's the beauty of it is that the people, it was like a social uh, jury. It wasn't like there was a government involved, you know, like it was just like peers reviewing each other. So like in this case, Brantley expressed his views. Those views were not, you know, like espoused. And they said, like, we don't want these views within our culture. And they removed him. And I think that's okay. That's actually okay. Because Brantley can, is now free to go somewhere else where his views are, are more accepted. Brantley is a talented individual. Like, I, I, delegated, I delegated my vote to him, you know, because I still hold ENS tokens. I think he's, I think he's good at, what he's, at his job. So and, then our job and our, and, our, and our aptitude and everything comes down to our personal beliefs also? I just but don't know. Like I think he, this is a good discussion. It's like, where's the line? But he so, did actually hurt the business. Like, you know, like there is there is an argument to say that like, hey, look, our customers can be people of... What, what are uh, you defining as the business? ENS? Uh, a a sure. protocol? Because sure. this is like a crux of what we need to talk about here, right? Like what you're talking about is a little more cut and dry in the real world. And I, and I, well, it's also, I sort of Steven, agree, with, I just I sort of agree with you. I just want to add something in to, to your point that you're about to make, because you can express this better. If we're going to say that the entire protocol needs to be representative of the same views, then that doesn't make sense to me whatsoever. That means that everybody at that protocol or at ENS needs to have the exact same views if they work for that company is basically the argument. There's no other way about it. Yeah, I mean, I would describe it more as like there's like a particular like Overton window for ENS. And it's not that everybody has to have the same view. It's just that like the aggregate of all these views must be contained within this, the, these lines, like however wide you want to draw those lines, um, which is maybe not unreasonable. But like, I, I, I don't think this is something like we've ever really wrestled with before. Like, I don't know what the the analogy is for the real world. Like in the real world, like it's it's pretty clear to me that like two things are true at the same time. Like one, I do think it's ridiculous, like how much we, you know, businesses sort of like just ruin or people just ruin people's careers. Like mo sometimes it might be warranted, but it's mostly ridiculous. Right. I also simultaneously believe that businesses probably should be able to, you know, have a lot of free reign in, in, in who they hire and why they hire them. Although I should note that that tends to be like a one way street, right? Like we, we tend to like, really force businesses to like expel people with particular beliefs and we really force them to not expel people with other particular beliefs right so it's not like a an even thing but but in crypto like is is ens a business you know it it it's a protocol right? it doesn't matter it's it's an organization it's an organization run by human beings and if if you're working alongside other human beings that you just don't want to work alongside with anymore but that organization you, didn't fire him ENS so didn't fire him. The Dow didn't fire him. Well, the the ENS community did vote. They made a Are, vote, and the the question was, should we remove Branley.eth as a community steward? I don't know exactly what that means, but looks like the vote won seventy five to the yes, twenty five percent to the no. Um, so it wasn't unanimous uh, by any means, but it was a significant majority said we should remove him as steward. And then it looks like the kind of uh, entity owners of this foundation or nonprofit, True Names Limited, then further on went to remove him as director of operations 
of that entity. So there's like two components to it. So that there was a vote, but then yes, the centralized you know group did did remove him as a. It's important for me to note. It's important for me to note that Brantley is not dead. He's not in jail. His career's not finished. Like he can, he's free to go work somewhere else now. That's that's actually very important. Uh, you know, like, and he did lose his job. I, I totally but like, agree with that. There are many jobs. I totally agree with that. And and I want to clarify one thing in my my personal point that I've made so far is that I'm not talking about should the company do this, should the true names limited whatever uh, do this, should there have been a vote, should there not have been a vote. I'm I'm literally just talking about like objectively, like the world that we're building, especially in Web three. Is this right or wrong? Just generally morally, like, do we want to see this type of behavior is really where I'm playing at. But as far as like, can they, should they was fine, do it. Like, that's like, yes, build the type of protocol and the type of organization and the type of DAO with the type of people that you want to be surrounded by and ultimately leave. Like, that's probably the right decision to leave it up for a vote. And say, should yeah. this person be involved anymore? Let, like that's probably the best community, decision. Let the community decide what the culture should look like. And yeah. is that is, is that is that what we're deciding though? Is like the the thing for Web three? Web three is just sort of like mob rule of what Web people three want. is just like any other anything else. Like we're no, we're it's not like the U.S. Beings in the U.S. is like, designed to not be mob rule, for example, right? Like the, the U.S. government is expressly designed from a structural perspective to protect minority rights, right? And in crypto, we've kind of got this like, oh, the Dow voted thing is, is but, but like it, it's an open question to me, like how good is that? Like are all those votes equally important? Is what the pure majority thinks on particular things like really all that matters, right? Because like we may agree that like the Brantley thing, him losing his position maybe in this instance is worth it. We may sort of disagree that people should be at like a, like a high level, like digging through people's past and like character assassinating people like this. Um, but like we may think it's warranted, right? Just like a lot of us may have thought that maybe banning Alex Jones from Facebook back in the day was warranted. But these things never stop here, right? They inevitably start sliding to something else. And well, that was my else, stupid cow else. analogy. That's what I'm trying to say. Let's come up with a better one. Everybody wants to be the police until they realize that the gun is pointed at them. And that's what right. I want to be careful about. Like, Can I, can okay. I argue against myself real quick? Please. Because yeah. I actually yeah. think like just uh, because I think what everyone is trying to actually espouse is this idea of tolerance and inclusivity. Yes. Um, Right. But then like, do you like, so, okay. So you have tolerance and inclusivity. Do you tolerate and include people that don't have the same opinion as you? Do you tolerate and include people that have the opposite opinion? Do they, do you tolerate and include people that have some sort of opinion that is actually intolerant and it like not inclusive? Like I, I actually like that's, that's my argument against, but I, I, I think like that true inclusivity and tolerance would bring in those folks as well. Of course. Yeah, I mean, your 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 point like actually brings up something I was thinking of earlier, which is that there's like sort of this like irony in people of like a very kind of leftward mindset who kind of like think like these types of things are positive, like this act of like cleansing the forest and all this shit is good. And it, it's weird because they, they sort of on the one hand, they, they all believe in this idea that there are these sort of like power structures in the world that like suppress like minority individuals right and they talk a lot about these these power structures and oppressors and oppressees right but then like when push comes to shove they don't really want to like upend that system 
they just want to put themselves in charge of the same system. So they create the same exact structure where there are a bunch of people who have power, who are oppressing a bunch of people who don't have power. And they justify it because like, I am right and I am moral and I am good. But in reality, it's just this like perpetual system of people trying to climb to the top of the pyramid and grab the gun to point at somebody, (laughs) right? (laughs) So that's like a, that's just a system that's gonna like this be this never ending cycle that it it, it never breaks, right? And it's just gonna keep spinning and spinning and spinning until the wheel just like explodes, right? So we need to strive for like a- yeah, like we, we need to not like necessarily not not, the, not necessarily that it's bad to, you know, censor these people in, in, in some some fashion. Right. But we need to strive to not just like clear the forests. Right. We need to strive to like figure out how to build like a system of dealing with this that isn't going to propagate the same thing, because like these people forget, like someday, 50 years from now, they might not be in power again. Right. Like what if like 50 years from now, another kind of like Trump esque figure takes power in the US. And he just decides that like patriotism is the utmost highest value. And like, you know, and, and, and promoting transgenderism is is inherently anti-patriotic. Ergo, we must like cleanse you from all of the, cha- it's the same logic, right? It's basically just like he who is in power decides what's moral and gets to like put his will upon everybody else. It's a bad system and I we have an ability count on you, to Steven. build a better system here you know I can always count we're, on you we're not doing it so far we're just we're just replicating like the same damn system and even if you may maybe agree with this one event in isolation it will go off the, the friggin rails and it's it's not going to be good what i liked so about this one or, it's, it's awful to say what i liked about this one it's like what i understood about this one which i don't understand with the joe rogan one is that we didn't get sort of like a higher level of authority coming in. Like it wasn't like the white house came in with their take on it. It was like society, like our, our little community governed that themselves. And I think that's okay. The Joe Rogan one has more nuance because it's like, well, now you have this other authority figure on top of that, putting its thumb on the scale. And that to me is, is just like way harder to, to conceptualize. Can, can I go back to something you brought up there and earlier that I think I like wanted to, pick apart a little bit like you you brought up this idea that the community voted people voted right but to me like this is like that what's that like Nassim Taleb phenomenon where you have the ultra vocal minority who just sort of like imposes their will upon everybody you have the one vegan person who makes the Thanksgiving dinner of 16 people (laughs) vegan right like it's it's the same thing here with with DAOs and the same thing here with Twitter there's like a vocal people who care a lot and then there's a lot of people who maybe don't care that much. So the vocal people are going to sort of create the illusion that there may be this consensus where this not. And even if we vote, right, it's the same thing, right? There may be like 20% of the, the, the DAO is so motivated to vote and the other 80% like don't care that much, right? Maybe they should, but they don't. And then you end up with this kind of like tyranny of the minority situation. Again, I'm not saying it wasn't justified here, but like you can very easily see how this will play out if we if we. I agree with you. Happen, that's you know? a good that's a good point. But in this case, it wasn't like a purely democratic situation. I think TNS fired it, and like all four of us are business owners. If you don't like working with somebody, like do you think as a business owner you have the right to remove somebody from your employee? Like I, I would. Think I just, I just inherently refuse to think of these things it's as too businesses. Nuanced. I want to think of them as like a new type of thing. Like I don't think a DAO is a business. I don't think a protocol is a business. I think it has a lot of True. business-like tendencies, but it's 
it is like at, at its core, what a protocol on Ethereum is supposed to be is some this like absolutely permissionless thing. It just seems weird that on the one hand, you could have this permissionless thing that anybody can use. But on the other side of it, there are people who are effectively being fired for being religious, whether or not you 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 may think that they're that their is beliefs are ba- bad, right? That is kind True. of what they're doing. And I don't think that those religious views are good, but that's what you're doing. You're basically no, saying like exactly nobody who is like a real like old school Catholic can work at this protocol. Right. And then there'll be Correct. a bunch of people who are like, well, I'm Catholic and I don't believe that. But I know a lot of Catholic people who would just be like, no, you're not Catholic. You're a cafeteria Catholic. And you just devolve into this like but TNS ridiculous, is not like, a, TNS is not a decentralized protocol. <laughs> Is my understanding and TNS, TNS? T no E T T what what's it called T the uh, TNL TNL the the sort True of name umbrella right. yeah the umbrella yeah, you're talking about organization the, uh, on top TNL is what fired him ENS didn't fire him. TNL is what fired him and TNL is like a business like we own correct and but that's it, like that in and of itself is a problem to me the idea that we're living in this world where we kind of like you know where we fire somebody off about like down. no about like how decentralized and open and everything is and is the reality that that's underneath not it decentralized all, TNL is not the, decentralized just the same way that your businesses aren't decentralized either you're the but owners that's, of but them but that's my point somebody. like D, people don't think about TNL they think about ENS like nobody's sitting around talking about ENS and thinking of it as this like centralized like little nonprofit behind the scenes. Like we, everybody's thinking of things as like the forward facing stuff. What is ENS? Oh, it's this de- decentralized protocol. Well, is it really if it's just all controlled by some nonprofit behind the scenes that could just like well, fire anybody Well, Stephen, that's want? just because a lot of the structure of these organizations is a combination of both a decentralized organization and a DAO and what's necessary there, but also like corporate structures that are necessary to have in place to be like a profitable running business. And everyone's figuring that out in real time. And to your earlier point, Eric, like, yeah, if you don't like working with somebody, can you fire them? Again, look at look at the judicial system. Look at the laws. In California, it's at will employment. If I fire somebody because I don't like them, sure, they can sue me for discrimination. Um, would I fire somebody because I don't like them? No. Like, I'd, I'd try, try to see if, like, can they perform? It would come down to performance. And I would try to settle differences. If the differences are too extreme, then it becomes a different conversation. It's like, yo, we're really different here. You don't fit into our culture. What's your deal? And I'd have a conversation about that. And it would be like, do you think you're a fit here? What do you do? You know, there's a whole stream of events that would happen. And instead, this was just like tweet that is literally grounded in, as Steven said, a, a large proportion of people that are of a specific religion believed the same exact thing that he said and he was and he was let go for that he was fired for that that's the part that's concerning here's an interesting uh you know fact in the timeline here is that ens launched in on may 4th of 2017 his tweet in question was in 2016 before ens was even conceived or, or launched and you know throughout his tenure there, no one ever questioned whether he was prejudiced or holding anyone back. In fact, I think without, you know, before this, people would say he did an amazing job and he he got like a lot of kudos for doing such a great job. He's a talented person and no one would ever guess he had these views because he was inclusive of everyone and, and did such a great job. So I guess my, my question is, you know, if someone has those views, but it doesn't actually uh, take form and how they are involved in the business and how they execute the plan for the business. 
to the point where it's never even come up. I mean, the, the reason this was so shocking was because no one would ever expect it from him because, you know, in their interactions with him or how he executed the plan uh, would have never led anyone to believe those are his beliefs. And so not only was his execution of, of the plan, you know, non-prejudice, but these views that were expressed before it even, the business was, was even launched. And it doesn't look like after the business was launched and after his involvement with the business, if we, if we want to just use that term, um, you know, did he kind of continue to publicize them? Now he didn't deny when, when he, when this was serviced, he didn't deny that he said that, but he didn't necessarily vocalize them and make, um, you know, his, his leadership position in the company, somewhat of a political platform to espouse his views. So I kind of have this big question, like, you know, if what he said was not integrated into the business, how he operated, and it was even before this business even existed. And not only did he not operate, you know, according to his views, he was pretty open-minded, but, um, and he didn't even use his leadership position as a platform to communicate his own personal views does that change anything? Mm. You know, I think there's something to be said there. Yeah. That it does, I think, doesn't I think that's a good seem... point. It's a good so, point. Um, yeah. I, th- I think like one, of, one of the, so in the real world, right? Like we, we created all these, these like laws, right? We created the constitution, right? We created these kind of like really, like a lot of the constitution is, is focused around like, how do we get people to kind of like live together who don't believe the same thing? Because when the country was created, that was like a common theme throughout the world, that there was this sort of just like oppression of people who were like minority groups that didn't fit in with other groups for whatever um, reason, right? And one of the reasons that those rules were needed in like the real meat space world, right, was because like people are born into particular lives. They live in particular areas. They sort of are who they are. And a lot of the things about their life cannot just be like, subbed out right like if somebody is born in um california but they would have been way more comfortable in like rural mississippi or something especially if this is like you know 90 100 years ago it's not necessarily that easy for everybody to sort of like self-segregate smoothly so you need to have these structures in place so that everybody doesn't like kill each other right but i i think balaji talked about this a little bit right the idea that like in, in the digital space, like we have the ability to like maybe diversity is like a bad thing, like after all, like maybe in the digital space, right? Everybody can like sort of like self segregate into these like hyper specific groups that have these very specific declarations. And this is like, this is what this community is about. This is what this group is about. This is like the ethos of it. If you don't, if you belong, you join, otherwise go somewhere else. Right. And in the digital space, right. Like for, for Brantley to go to another protocol, right. He doesn't have to move across the world or anything. He could just go to a different protocol. Like there's a lot more mobility. So like, that's maybe one possible outcome for this is that we actually just take it to the other extreme. We go, actually, no, we're not going to do the tolerance thing at all. We are going to like hyper seg, segment and we're just going to be very clear about whatever one of the problems of the ens right and i don't know if this is necessarily a problem right but correct me if i'm wrong like it's not like the ens like website anywhere was just like we believe that like homosexuals or it's like it's not a thing that they would put on their website right but like obviously a part of the community a large chunk of the community just like thought that that was like a thing right because that is like a just a belief of 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 most people in the space i think um but maybe it doesn't have to be that way maybe like 
everything, maybe the market hyper segments, people go to very specific communities where they want to exist and believe in those things. And maybe that's fine. Maybe that just lets the free market like do its thing. Like maybe there's another, maybe there's another domain service and like the market just decides it doesn't like ENS because of that. And then maybe that's fine. Maybe that's okay. Yeah. So I I think to, to close this topic, we should actually finish with what we, you know, like what's really the, the belief here personally. Um, I, I don't know if you could really call it alfalfa, but I would just say it's at least something that is like actionable out of this. So go, go ahead, Nick. I mean, you know, I think, I think where I land as of right now, and obviously reserves the right to, to change my mind for sure. Cause it's definitely evolving, but kind of like Brian Armstrong's take on the no politics in mm-hmm. work culture, any kind of describes it as a mission focused company. And as a, as an owner of a business, as a leader of a business, that's all I really care about. Like you, Armand, I've had uh, employees, partners, contractors of all different sorts, flavors, colors, you know, preferences that you can imagine under the sun. And I, I really don't care. Like I want the business to execute what we as a group set out to accomplish. And that's all I really care about. And if someone has whatever views, like don't bring it up in company meetings. If, you know, we're not here to to politicize social unrest or global pandemics or what, or religion or anything like that. We are a mission focused company. Our job is to, you know, you know, grow the company, deliver profits for shareholders and accomplish what we set out to to do. And that's all I really care about as an owner. And so as a protocol holder, you are in sense an owner. And so I think we should kind of carry over Mm -hmm. that mission focused, um, you know, mantra to, to protocols. And if, if someone interferes in that, brings their own personal views into that and disrupts the, the function of the business. And like Eric said, it could be argued that just by simply having those views, you cause a disruption in the business. I think that's a little bit of stretch for me, but you know, that's kind of my, um, I guess, filter on how I view this. And if it happened in my yeah, own so company, question, like, like would, irrelevant. You, would you, yeah. So like you don't bring that to work does posting on Twitter constitute bringing that to work for you? Okay. So that's, that's a good question. And I think it, it specifically uh, doesn't accept there are for sure exceptions. If you are a leader of a company, if you are a CEO, if you are most definitely a public facing portion of that company, whether that's, you know, you're in charge of business development, interacting with like a global community of business partners, you're in charge of PR communications. There are a whole list of roles where you are, you, you are kind of lending your brand and your your personal brand and, and the company are kind of mixing to put forth, um, you know, what you're trying to accomplish to the, to the greater community. Then in that case, you do have to have um, some discretion in, in, in how you uh, behave yourself publicly because it, it, it can, you know, bleed into the company and people can get confused about what does the company believe and mm-hmm. what does the person believe. So I think there is an exception for public facing roles and certainly leaders of companies. Excellent. Um, you know, so that's, that's kind of my, exception I have a, I want, I want to, to specifically in case I forget, I want to comment on that as my closure, Eric, what's your okay. kind of, what would you wish to see in the future for things like this in web three? I think, uh, well, that's a tough question. I, I think like in this case is maybe different than what I'd like to see in web three. In this case, I'm glad that it was self-policed, you know, like we, like ENS uh, holders and participants and whatever TNL, like it handled itself. So, you know, like it, 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 
worked out in a way that I think everyone's going to be okay. And uh, I think to Nick's point, Brantley was the face of this whole thing. He was like the, uh, he was like the mascot of ENS. Uh, but, you know, I, I pretty much said my piece on this. I, I think he, he's going to be okay. He's very talented. He's going to land on his feet somewhere and it's going to be, it's going to be fine. And ENS is going to awesome. be fine as well. I think for me, um, and to just generally summarize this so we can, <laughs> we've been on it for a while, you know, but it is very fascinating. There's so many layers to this. Um, very much like think that Stephen just better articulated some of my thoughts as well, where I think that, you know, we're living in this new decentralized world where we're saying the decentralization matters. We're saying that DAOs are an entirely new uh, structure for how we govern organizations and there's a lot at stake with like the way that can play out. I mean, the whole, you know, crazy majority, crazy minority, like example is like a very real thing that can create mutiny pretty quickly in any DAO. So I actually land in a place for, for now today where I think it's important to allow these organizations to, um, evolve in a way where the individuals move where they feel they are a good fit. And the moment that they're not, they vote with their digital feet and they move on like a Balaji-esque sort of digital thing. And I think that that is probably a great play and probably the safest way for this world to evolve. So it doesn't end up being like a remix or a repeat of web two or of like the world we already live in in general. So it would at least be different. It'd be nice to see that experiment play out. Like vote with your feet. If you don't belong and your Catholic views are not welcome there, go somewhere where they are. I think that'd be really interesting. I still don't think yeah, it's, it's right. Not, what it's happened. nice that you can actually do that in Web3. And that's maybe the yeah. one hope, right? Like the problem in the real world sometimes isn't necessarily that, oh, businesses and consumers do things and we don't like them, but they have the right to do them. The problem sort of becomes when we enter into these situations where we start making laws and we start compelling people to do things or they end up in situations where they don't have a choice. Right. And even if we may disagree with the Brantley thing or agree or whatever, it doesn't really matter. Right. There's no like law really that we can pass in Ethereum to like prevent Brantley from getting a job or to like. Right. So we're we're, go we're, we're going to force the space to kind of work this out in an experimental fashion. And there's not going to be some centralized power that kind of comes in and like messes that up, which is good. I mean, I still do worry about like what the culture of the people in web three is ultimately going to be right. Because ultimately those people yeah. will define, you know, the, the, what the ethos is, right. Even if like they, there will always be freedom for people to do whatever they want. It, it still could be, it still could be bad, right? I, I like I saw, I did I did see somebody was put like uh, Eric Wall was posting about an interaction he saw on like I don't think the Brantley thing is necessarily what I would call like wokeism or something. It's it's a guy saying bad things. People didn't like it and they got together and were like, we don't want this, right? But like Eric Wall was posting some like weird stuff from Twitter Spaces, you know, where like there are dialogues or like. Um, like some black woman was talking and, you know, I think a famous developer, Hudson Jameson, um, like just sort of like butted in like a little bit like people do and the thing. And it immediately became like, a, oh, no, this white man did not just interrupt me. And then there's this weird, like kind of 
groveling apology thread under it and like that that's the stuff like that stuff like makes me like worry like that's really the stuff like i i i I hope that we can kind of get away from that culture here um if that's what the market decides that it wants then you know i i I guess i have to go along with it but it's it's definitely my hope we can build something different you know well so just to wrap up my my point we can move on from this because it is really fascinating it's like I do think that there's a right way to do these things. I I don't think that it needs to be like this whole cancel culture mob way. If somebody at ENS uncovers something they don't like to see from that individual, they should all have a conversation about it. And it should be a conversation about like, do you really belong here with those views? Because to that earlier point of like organizations that are built on beliefs that are alike, maybe he realizes that due to that, like he's not a good fit for that organization and they're able to figure it out a little bit more behind the scenes, a little bit more delicately. It doesn't need to be that you ruin somebody's entire life and reputation. Like, is he going to be fine? Yes. Most people who end up getting canceled end up being okay in the long run. Some of them, but it's a digital record that stays with you forever. I think it's pretty fucked up. I think it's fucked up to go out and try to like hurt somebody like that for something that they may have said that is a personal belief, especially one like Brantley's. And I, I I could be in the minority here, but one last thing is like what you said, Nick, I think you're right. When you're in a position of power, it's very important to be careful and to have discretion. I agree. And I still think that that's too constricting. It's forcing your job, your ownership in a company, your work identity which is one of maybe seven components of your life to encompass your entire life. That's a problem for me, like speaking personally. Um, I don't like that because I want the ability to say what I believe and for human beings to have the ability to differentiate those and go, this was an opinion about his work and this was an opinion about soccer and this was an opinion about his non-religion and that's okay. And it can't, it shouldn't affect. Is this a good case for everybody being like anon in the future? I don't know. Maybe this is is cool. Like in the pseudonymous, you know, at least. I mean, in the, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, in the real world, like it sucks. Like if your reputation is destroyed, like especially just just destroyed unfairly, you're, you're done, right? You are who you are. At least in the, at least in the crypto world, you have the ability to become like a new anonymous frog tomorrow and start from scratch again. <laughs> I just think it's lame. I think it's lame, Nick. I would love your comment on this, but I yeah, think it's I mean, lame I- that I can't be my full self because I hold a position of, so, he, you know. And I, I, I think your point hits home in, in that I think what a courageous response would have been, and maybe it would have been right, is if whoever the, the power to be, I don't know the name of the person who kind of, communicate the decision to fire him from true names limited would have been i don't agree with what he said in fact no one at this company agrees with what he said but never in however many years has he been working with us has it influenced his work in executing the mission of this company so therefore we're going to keep him because he executes his job well again we reinforce that we disagree with his views um but and he's basically on watch if we see an instance in which he is being prejudiced and, you know, pulling those views into how he helps run this company, then we will certainly fire him. And until then we won't. And that would have been a courageous and possibly 
right in at least in in my current thesis on how this might play out a uh, thing and might have satisfied a lot of parties and said hey we're going to issue a joint statement this is what i believe and have i ne- i've never allowed it to prejudice my way of executing this company and i won't going forward and if i do then i'll certainly you know be held accountable for that and that would have been an interesting yes uh turn of events, I think maybe lead us into a new nuanced conversation. Well, you know, I, I think that that's questions. possibly how, uh, to, to turn a corner in the conversation here. I think that's possibly how Spotify is trying to handle the Joe Rogan situation. Albeit there's uh, a lot more money at stake and a lot more leverage on the side of Mr. Rogan, <laughs> uh, to, uh, to Spotify, but it's similar in that the CEO of Spotify was very clear that he's absolutely against what Rogan has said and done, uh, and yet he doesn't think that it's a good idea to punish it across a variety of different ways that the people at Spotify and the artists that are on Spotify want to punish it. The most extreme being take him down completely to censoring to a whole variety of of different things that different people want to do. I think that it was uh, the right approach because he actually said, uh, I think like verbatim slippery slope, that if we were to start to uh, censor um, what he's doing in any way whatsoever, it would be a slippery slope. And while we don't agree with it and you're unhappy and he acknowledged their feelings and how they all feel. And I think that was really important. So to un- to start to unpack this a little bit, like the the Rogan one has a lot more going on. And- Wait, Armand, can you can you just give the what real quick on like what's happening with Joe Rogan? How many episodes have been removed? Why, like you know, like which ones? Yeah, I mean, my my brain, and as you saw with the Brantley thing, like I tend to not go into some some of the maybe uh, details at times and try to think yeah. more. I mean, there's been like over a hundred episodes removed at yeah. this point, right? So I don't know if the number is 120, 170, but it's a lot. I thought it's it was like 70. So I'll give a very quick, it's like a, 20 I'm pretty seconds. Sure it's over hundred now. So Rogan has been on air, uh, on his own independently for a long time, 11 years, over a thousand episodes. He was signed by Spotify for an undisclosed amount that is reportedly a hundred million to publish, the episodes exclusively to license the episodes exclusively to Spotify uh, over a series of years. From the moment he signed on, the Spotify employees were upset because of a lot of the things that he says. He has a very um, controversial stance on a lot of things, controversial in air quotes, because it's against a lot of what is today acceptable and popular uh, in the narrative and also like in the Overton window of like what should and should not be talked about. A lot of people believe that the guests he has on are very right wing. Uh, That's also controversial for the other side because they say, no, it's actually not that way. Um, In general, he does a lot of things that are just generally unacceptable by the left. And a lot of the people uh, at Spotify and a lot of obviously our, our country is leaning that way these days. And yet at the same time, Joe Rogan has been like a beacon of truth and has been like, honestly, I think he's he's very similar to us in the sense that he really tries to hold the opposites. He really tries to have nuanced discussions. 
And those discussions, because they are, I mean, I said this in our chat the other day, if you ain't, if you ain't left, you're right. <laughs> it's like a B- Ricky Bobby, like if you ain't first, you're last. If you ain't left, you're right. Like it really has gotten to the point where if you are not directly in line with that way of thinking, then you must be right. Like that's the only logical conclusion. So where we're at is that, uh, you know, Neil Young was like, I don't like all this uh, misinformation. I'm going to step down. I, I I want you to either remove him or remove me or I will remove myself. And Spotify said, you know, we're not removing him. And a lot of other artists have spoken up. And then after that, he got called out for saying the N-word, which is really weird that he does that in general. Like, I don't think anyone thinks it's like cool, uh, but he's done that. He's done that when he's comment- commenting on like Quentin Tarantino movies. He's done that in general as a joke. He's done that for a multitude of reasons. And he admitted that it was stupid and wrong. And it was something that was like more okay in the 2000s and the 90s, but not okay anymore. Um, so he's under fire for a lot of things. And it, and, it, and a lot of people think it's like a, a pretty coordinated attack. So what do you guys think? There's two different transgressions there, right? There's the the COVID misinformation or like here's the accusations of COVID misinformation and then the racist language and racist tropes. And I think they're two separate issues that we should kind of like make sure we separate from the what's Three the third? Issues. What's the third? I, I I think there's a very distinct divide between the jokes about black people being monkeys and saying the n-word in the context of reading when somebody said it like i think it's unfair to lump those two things together yeah you're right because one said of those is like way worse in my mind you know well, it's I, one's I, racist I, language and one's a trope right like well it's i like i the i think this, I think this really trend bad. of like firing people because they say the n-word in a way that's like academic is like ridiculous like there's that prof- that like leftist professor that was fired because he read it in like a like a lyric or something just like a totally academic like i don't even understand the purpose of like having a word in the english language if it can't be like used for anything like to me that's like excessive i'm sure i'll get like hate from that but like just from like a logical just like a reason-based logical perspective it just seems obviously very different to be a professor explaining the word in a sort of like contextual sense and somebody who's literally calling it to somebody's face as like a racial epitaph, right? And it, I think it like it like dilutes like the 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 true like her, like horror of the the word and its etymology when we just like it 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 it's it, it's like yeah. silly to me, right? So that that part like I'm like I I'm just like so uneasy about that. The 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 black people as as monkeys kind of joke like that was. That was that was like hard to listen to. I think we could. That was really agree. hard to listen to. It was terrible. I mean, I texted you guys immediately after. I was like, "Uh, new information has come to light." <laughs> I was like, "This really affects my position because it's like something that." The most important part here is to say that I think it's important to be honest. Saying the N word and making jokes like that used to be. Barely, barely, barely okay in some contexts. It's completely not okay today. That's the difference. There were times where a comedian like Joe Rogan could get away with it. And he did. So I'm I'm wondering if we should have this conversation. Sorry, Eric, go ahead. I was just going to say that it was always racist. It was just that racism (laughs) was racism was okay uh, to an extent in the 90s or whatever racism was okay in the 90s 
now it's no longer okay. Like that was racist as fuck. I mean, period. Yeah. Right. I think that's that's clear. And actually, we're not being we're not being before you go, Nick. We're actually not being fair because none of this happened in the 90s or 2000. I mean, it's in the last 11 years that he said it a bunch of times. So that's yeah. in the last. It's it's, right. it's still recent, but again, he has his excuses for why he said it. He gets high. This is what I said in my little like breakdown of it. He gets high. He gets drunk. He was quoting things like. He he said it was disgusting and wrong, and he's super embarrassed. But it has nothing to do with the point of where we started. So, so Nick, I think that's what you're trying to get. Yeah, to. I guess I, I'm just wondering: should we have this conversation, um, and kind of not go into detail who it is or what what they said? But should we have this conversation of censorship? Um, you know, on a on a company level, on a government level, cancel culture without actually yes. going into the the details of, of what he said, just, yeah. Know, Cause kind of, we're not TMZ and it's a waste of time. Yeah. It's a more, I mean, it's a more interesting conversation. Too. I don't, I don't think anybody wants to sit here no. and listen to four non-black people talk about the N word ever <laughs> either. So we should probably just move on from that. But like, there's more, there, there's still like interesting stuff to un, unpack there. I, yeah, I, I agree. But like, what do you, what, what are you thinking? Just the generalized principle of like grace and where lines are and like what we yeah, should strive like, for. Like, you know, what, what do we want as a society? Like, what do we want things to, to, to be open about and what do we want to draw the line on? And, yeah. and, you know, I kind of look to, um, you know, you, you can kind of look at most cancel culture comes from, from the left. So I try to look like who are leaders of the left and what do they think? And I actually found something interesting. I looked at president Obama and um, John Stewart. President Obama is a political leader of the left. John Stewart is a culture leader of the left, if you will. And they both had this very strong view about anti cancel culture. Like Obama's warned about it several times, almost every other year, he kind of mentions in his speech that like, you know, there is a there is a concern of going overboard and just constantly condemning and punishing people. And his point is that it's not real activism and it doesn't actually change anything. And I think John Stewart's, you know, kind of kind of view is you shouldn't abandon, you shouldn't leave, you shouldn't cancel, you should engage the other party. You know, he's had Bill O'Reilly, we were kind of doing the uh, fuck it, let's do a live uh, skit here, you know, and Bill O'Reilly's on the opposite side of, of John Stewart, but he's had him on the show to to engage him. And so, Those are good you know, episodes. they, they, there are leaders of the left, they have, um, you know, uh, you know, views of anti-council culture and that are pretty good arguments for not going down that path and not feeding into to that beast. And instead, you know, going after, you know, I think Obama's point is going after real activism and, and, and Stewart's point is we'll engage that person. Let's have a, have a conversation about it. So that's, that's one topic we go down. And another is like, is it in, and David Sachs mentioned this in the online podcast, which I kind of like, you know, wrote down, which is, is it, is it liberal to kind of not want these views or is it authoritarian, you know, regardless of political spectrum? You know, we saw like Trump be very authoritarian. And in his case, it was pretty clearly selfish. Like he was being authoritarian and kind of pushing down the press because they didn't like what he said about him. And, you know, it seemed pretty clearly it was selfish. And in in this case, it seems like um, liberals do it because they're doing it for the good of everyone else. And it seems like in that situation, there's like this presumption that a certain group, a minority group of people um, knows what's better for 
everyone else. So I think but there's that's an authoritarianism. Right. So like, are we talking about authoritarianism or, or liberal? We are. Left? It's disguised. I think, I, I think, I think the framework is, a li- I think the framework's a little bit simpler, right? Like, cause you, you touched okay. on this a little bit with the Obama and the Stewart thing, who I would argue both of them are not really left anymore. Like they're centrist. <laughs> like it's, it's not crazy, but Obama's like a centrist that, at, at best in like modern America, you know, he's, he's, he's not very left. Um, but like th- there's an important distinction in people who sort of push this ideology and like sort of like what is their motivation, right? Like are you pushing these ideas, right? Are you censoring Joe Rogan? Are you doing these things because you want to like actually enact like lasting and fundamental change in the world? Or are you doing it as like a power grab? And in the vast majority of these cases, like I think that the people who are the instigators of these things, right? I think there's a lot of people who come along for the ride who are like good hearted people and feel like they're doing the right thing. And they're sort of like unaware that they're like these unwitting accomplices in this like larger scale power game. Right. But I think a lot of these dynamics are not about changing the world. I think they're not about making the world a better place. They're about one group trying to usurp another and like reclaim power. And these, these ideas of like racism and all these things, they're just, they're just like tools to cudgel people and, yes. and, and get power. Because as you said, if they were serious about actually enacting change, like, like Obama said, you would be focused on these, these other areas of like, like you're obviously not going to change the, like, it's not like the idea that you're going to just call half the country, like wild, racist, xenophobic, transphobic, like ignoramuses. Right. And that they're just going to like wake up tomorrow and be like, oh, you know what? You're right. Let's just like live in a leftist paradise and like kumbaya. and live. It's obviously not going to happen. Right. And anybody with like a a tenth of a brain knows that that's not going to happen. Right. So you're either like very knowledgeable of that fact and you don't care. Right. This is like you just you go down the full road of like like Antifa. Right. You're like, yeah, sure. Like we don't care, but we were just going to take it by force anyway. This is this ultimately is going to be a thing that devolves into force. And then that's a logical, like, like a coherent ideology. It's a very bad and dangerous one, but that at least makes sense, right? This ideology where you are sort of someone standing in the middle and you're supporting this like very like oppressive authoritarian cancellation of people and disparaging of people and just like, and you're doing it like because you think it's going to change the world. Like that is like you're in some like misguided realm of the middle where you are not doing anything that's at all sustainable at best you're doing something that just makes you feel good temporarily but like ultimately a lot of these a lot of these policies a lot of these ideas a lot of the stuff that's happening is just going to like further ruin the world not make it better and if people were actually intellectually honest and serious about change and not power hungry they would realize that and they would prescribe different things less authority less, less authoritarian things less cancellation more just active engagement of stuff joe rogan says why it's bad sunlight is the best disinfectant type stuff you know like more of the stuff like i think like barry weiss is really good at this right even though she's apparently right wing now because she's on joe rogan but you know i i I like what she does like kind of exploring these things she just runs headlong into this idea and like well why is that bad let's let's kind of talk about it would you want to say armand oh um, Eric, I, I want you to have a, a stake at this because I know you've been thinking about it. Um, maybe, maybe not uh, losing sleep over it. <laughs> like maybe I know you've been thinking about it. So what's your take on this? Because it's, it's definitely obviously a uh, pretty important stuff. I think Steven uh, summarized my thoughts pretty, pretty closely because when, when I look at the Joe Rogan thing, you know, just 
in, in isolation. Nick said it best at first. He said there's two parts of it. He said there's like the medical misinformation part, mm-hmm. and then there's the racism part, okay? But, the, it, but it all started with medical misinformation. And I put that in quotes because medical misinformation, uh, I don't actually think that he was misinforming anybody, uh, particularly with this COVID stuff. Like, Armand, I talked to you when we were uh, hanging out over the weekend. I said, like, I have a problem with this, this dogma called, like, science, capital S science, because, like, science. This, this idea, science is not fact. Science is a process. Yes, it's a methodology. This. This was they call it a, sci- a scientific method. So it's a, it's a process of finding truth. Yes. So like yes. So like yeah, when do, we, when do, you, do you remember that I am the science quote? Sorry, I just like that was like the head explode. <laughs> You're criticizing me. You are criticizing science. You I was like, I'm out. I'm out on everything that's got to memes. <laughs> you can't reenact memes, Steve. No, yeah, I need to. <laughs> that's not yeah, a meme. That was translate. a literal thing. Uh, it doesn't translate on a podcast. It doesn't podcast. translate. <laughs> but let me, let me just keep it's going. It's not a meme. I'm literally quoting Fauci. Okay, let me just keep going. Let is. me just keep going because like, I, I think this idea that, I, that I'm on is like, Please. when people are out there saying like, well, just trust the science. Trust that like, okay, science is a process, meaning like we have to learn over time and iterate and like get closer and closer to the truth. So like with COVID, we've seen it, we've seen it pl- like play out in real time. Like science didn't know, like nobody knew, nobody knew about COVID. Like when Correct. something's brand new, nobody knows. And science is trying to get closer to the truth, right? That they're, they're using their practices and methodologies to try to learn about what the truth is. But when people lean on that dogma to say like, Hey, this is the truth, meaning science is the truth lean on science or scientists like it's already flawed and and i think what what joe rogan was doing was like leaning on other scientists meaning like leaning on other method like people with other ideas like also using science meaning iterating trying to understand get closer to what truth is so it's not actually medical misinformation it's actually just using science it's like it's actually taking in all the data and applying it and, and trying to get closer to what is actually real hundred percent. I mean, we've watched that play out. I mean, we talked about this over the weekend as well, where, you know, a lot of the uh, so-called controversial beliefs and conspiracy theories ended up playing out to be correct. Some of them, a small percentage of them I'm, I'm referring to, but, you know, a lot of people ended up being correct about a lot of things. And the point is that that is what a scientist would do. They would have a radical acceptance of all beliefs and they would examine them without dismissing them right away. And I think a lot of what we see is like, uh, to, to really zoom out, for me, this is like, it's not about misinformation. It's not about racism. It's not about Rogan. What this is about for me is ultimately obviously about power and the powers that be are saying that uh, this person is a loudspeaker that we need to control. And what Joe Rogan represents in terms of his loudspeaker is one in the middle. The left is represented by a mob of people, which is a populist group of people. Like it's the majority of people today in America. And so there isn't necessarily any one leader. It is a group of voices that are all echoing the same thing. They have the power, they like it, and they're doing it under the religion of good. 
The religion that they are fighting for is the religion of virtue and good and helping others. So it's a very, very psychologically complex thing to zap yourself out of. It's actually really fucked up. And most people who haven't fucking snorted purple pills yet, like us, it's really hard. You should start with like maybe a little baby line because it's it's a lot. It's a lot to wake up to the fact that you're trying to be a good person, but you're actually hurting people by worrying about other people's rights when really you should just be concerned with what is truth, what is logic, and remove yourself from group thinking. So really what's happening is like you have a mob on on one side and you have centrists in the middle, like I would say one representative of is the intellectual dark web or Joe Rogan as a whole is the biggest voice today. And then on the right, I think some people would agree with this. Trump didn't start this way, but like Trump very much represents the the right and some of the right ideology. And he has these beliefs and a lot of people that like you'll find really going to the extreme ends. I know I see Stephen's head going like this. I, I agree that like on a nuanced level, I'm not using the best example there. But the point is that there are different people and different loudspeakers and representatives for each side of these aisles. What Rogan represents is a risk and that risk is that a lot of people that are on the left today their beliefs are being changed by someone who's approachable likable nuanced in his thinking rational he's a homeboy he gets high he gets drunk he uh, shoots animals some people most people don't like that but what they like is that he keeps it real when he does wrong he apologizes everything about him is very consistent he's very consistent and he owns his shit and he's very mature And they like that they see a guy who clearly didn't start out to be like extremely intellectual, who as a result of uh, exposing himself to very intellectual people has learned how to think. That's why people get tattoos of Joe Rogan on their body, because what he represents is the idea that I can learn and I can become an intellectual through the process of process of exposing myself to things like this, that the truth is in black and white, that it's gray and it's messy and it requires snorting some purple pills every once in a while. And I think that is a huge threat politically to the left. And that is why there's probably a lot going on behind the scenes that we don't know about. I think it's important to to point out like why um canceling or censoring helps people in power like why would it be the motivation for someone you know under the 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 mission of doing good why it helps them because i think once you understand that you'd be like okay this is possible this is this is possible that this could be their incentive and i've tried to think about this a little bit and i think there's a few reasons why someone would censor and and use this uh, power to like uh, help reinforce their their current powers and, and grow them. Like one, there's like this virtual signaling, right? AKA it, it feels good. It feels good to do this. Um, I think that's that's an easy one. There's virtual signaling going on. Like same really like the you know Garcetti says he's holding his breath while he's you know taking pictures, not wearing his mask. Like it's it's obviously not true. But why does he feel he needs to do that? Because he needs to virtue signal. One, he needs to maintain his power by virtue signaling. Two, I think another reason this happens is like you need your base support, right? Either you you want them to still support you, your core base as a as the political power, or you fear their backlash and or you need their funding to stay in power. I mean, that's like that's a political reality. And so you can't abandon that. But then I also think there's this like form of uh, elitism. I know what everyone needs. And to me, this is the, the biggest pitfall. 
that as a leader, you can pretend to know what everyone in this in this country needs and what's good for them. I mean, we are a, a country of 330 million people of all different geographies. And it's so presumptuous to, to pretend like you know what someone else wants to hear or what they need in their life or what they're okay doing for their health, for their family, economically. I mean, people come from very different backgrounds in this country. They come from different DNA of different parents, and they also are raised in completely different environments. And that's where I get a little, I guess, most triggered is when people, you know, assume to want, you know, the same thing in someone in LA wants as someone in Appalachia, you know, who grows up in a completely different economic security framework and also a, a different environment, geography that they grew up in. Like there are people in this world who want different things for their family than, than you want. And that's okay. That's awesome. But for someone in power to assume that they know what people need is to me the, the biggest pitfall. So Nick, I thought about that a historical... lot. I want to talk to you about that. Yeah, sure. I, I just, the other comment I want to make is like, there is a his, history of government. Once they, once there is an emergency or a problem that we need to take hold of, and we need to, clamp down on misinformation. There is history of government using emergencies to, to gain power and then not giving them back. Right. Like a, a good analogy to me is, is a, is the war on terror, right? We had a, a tragic, you know, terrorist attack on our country in, in 9-11. And our response was to, for the, to give the government power, give them budget, give them power, let them solve it. And, you know, we saw like, um, the, you know, uh, Patriot Act get enacted. That, that's one other thing. But then also we went on this multi-decade campaign of like bombing the fuck out of a country for what 20 individuals did. And, and, and I don't think people know this, but they hatched this plan in Hamburg, Germany. It wasn't like they were sitting in a cave in Afghanistan, like hatching this plan together. Like the, the, those plans were made in Hamburg, Germany. So we took, okay, how are we going to punish these 20 people that committed this crime? We're going to go in and take our powers and bomb the hell out of a country. And we, we, we kept perpetrating that over 20 years. And I, I think the second and third order effects of that we're feeling, you know, now on, on a global stage, but, and, and so to, to get out of that one example, I just think there's, there's historical precedence for government saying there's an emergency, we need to take power and we happily give it to them because we want them to protect us. But it's almost like a playbook, it's more that, like a playbook than it was like a, than it is in, like a crisis. <laughs> I, I agree. And, and there's a distinction. I don't think it's, it's there's a group of people who are like this is a great example to grab power we're going to hold it we're going to do something bad i think it's the nature of institutions like institutions just as companies want to survive and you do anything to survive and you you naturally as a group of people as you organize want to with keep the power that you have to to accomplish the mission that you're set on to do at no point i've ever heard a government agency or large institution said you know what? i think we accomplished the goal let's uh let's fire ourselves the problem's done no, it, it like keeps, you know, evolving and morphing and, and the problem gets bigger and there's scope creep. Right. And so I think the biggest thing out of this I've got is like, we have to be very careful about what powers we withhold to central organizations, particularly governments, because they don't tend to relinquish that power back in a non-emergency situation. I mean, we're about to have a Super Bowl in California and it's still under a state of emergency. I mean, if that's ever like a slap in the face of, you know, where we're, you know, you know, maybe we we'll escape from that example, particularly, but I just think we have to be very careful about what 
powers we we hand over and that's the biggest fear um because of the second order third order consequences of that so so i've been thinking about that a lot and i think that we all agree with that like no question right how much of that is like really just subject to the personalities of people as a whole you know we have this personality where we don't like authoritarian systems where we believe that we know what's best and we would like to make those decisions. We tend to lean more libertarian. A lot of people, and this is where we see politics play out, like this is our representatives in action. We've given them this power. This was our fault. This is society's fault that we're in the situation we're in today. Like, yes, there's historical precedence for it. But how much of this is just that there's a lot of people that would rather have somebody else do the thinking for them? that would rather feel safe knowing that somebody's done their homework about the science with a capital S, about the vaccine, about the war. I vote for you to take control of that. You and I and all of us, we sit around, we like this shit. We like this shit. We like to sit around and look at the details and think about it and go to the study and look at the, look at the like, oh, actually, here's what's happening in Israel lately. Most people don't give a fuck at all yeah i mean here's an interesting point is that we don't need the government or spotify censor because everyone made their opinions about what joe rogan said already they already made an opinion when it was said and they decided to you know say something against it or to subscribe to it so like it it yeah. worked out already I mean, the, the joe rogan thing is like obviously it's it's obviously like stupid right because you can just listen or not listen right and that's that's right. just sort of it and if you if you were making arguments beyond that, you're really going down some stupid road where you're basically applying that humans are these like just absolute plebs who can't be trusted to like think about stuff and make decisions, right? But what you are alluding True. to is like a, a deeper and like more complex issue, right? Like the idea that like, oh, humans want to offload decisions because they're too lazy or don't want to do it. That's like sometimes true, but also it's just like it's not realistic, right, for us to all be health experts, right? Like we need to have functional institutions in a lot of areas. Like we need like society would be better if there was like a CDC that had general public trust, right? The I, I don't necessarily like, you know, subscribe to this belief that like oh, we could just live in this like sort of anarcho-capitalist like libertarian paradise for just like everything will just self-assemble and everything will be fine like that may be true and maybe that's sort of like less bad than the other extreme but that might not be the ideal society it might be better to strive for a society where there is government and there are institutions but they're they're functional because they they they, they certainly served a purpose at one point right like one of the problems of the world today is that like institutional trust is that like an all-time low and like i don't trust our institutions i think the vast majority of them have completely failed us right but i don't yes. want to like get rid of the concept of institutions and i don't know if the world can function without no, them because like, there is a role about, like how government. to like rebuild them right yeah. yeah of course there's a role for yeah, government so what it. should it be like how do we fix right. the problem like how do we make government better like how do we balance all these principles because i totally like like when nick said it is a really good first principles thing if you want to get good at first principles thinking like it's like one of the best ones that I've come across is just this idea that like the sort of collective wisdom of the market and individuals is like almost always, almost always better without fail than like centralized top down thinking or authority, like almost always get 
better results that way. Just from a results perspective, they also have the yeah. problems that Nick talked about where they sort of tend to just, you know, coalesce power and become like these kind of self maintaining bodies that no longer exist to do the original thing they were created before. But that's like, that's almost like a secondary. I mean, this does the fact that they're just not as effective in the first place. This, this does go to like our conversation as well about how we'd like to see it play out in web three. I mean, like we're talking about the same things and uh, these are decisions that we have to make and look like personality, disposition, uh, beliefs, religion, all these things are a factor that encompass a person's uh, how they vote and how they want to live their lives and how many of those rights they believe are theirs versus how many they would like to give to institutions and the government. And so much of that is like a little, um, you know, constant process of how much are you being brainwashed by institutions so it's like it's very difficult to figure out where that line really is of what a human being innately wants, needs, is healthy, how much of it is like a part of their personality and natural disposition versus how much they were taught or told to believe they should own or not own and give up to others. And that's a, this is a complex thing that I don't think is really ever going to go away, I realized. I'm like, this is, this is just the, the new ongoing battle because all we have is like this access to information like never before and we're moving away from institutions we're moving away from traditional media and we're moving to citizen media which is like us this is where people are learning now and people's brains are like jambalaya rightly so so how are you handling that generally (laughs) generally i was great and I, I really have been like on a high and like enjoying it. But like lately, maybe because of what's happening over the last couple of weeks or maybe just because of what's going on on my phone, like with the number of apps I have and the notifications I get, it's too much. It's way too much because, you know, I lied to myself, Nick. I, I thought that because I don't watch the news, I don't turn on CNBC or CNN. I thought that I was like, ooh, you're like staying away from the noise but the reality is the noise on that phone is probably 10 times worse because the access I have is like WhatsApp, Telegram, text message, Twitter, all sending links to all the different places that you can possibly get a link and you're trying to read it as fast as you possibly can and it drives you crazy and you're trying to work, you're trying to get things done, you're trying to have like a health, like healthy life situation and I think it's too much. It's just way too much. So I recently read Dopamine Nation. I mess, I, I mentioned this to you guys in the uh, in the thread, and um, it's an okay book. I think the main thing I took away from it is like it wasn't like wow, but the main thing I took away from it is like to be way more conscious of the amount of dopamine I'm actually like <laughs> like letting off over the dumbest things. Uh, it's unnecessary at this point, and I need to be more in control of it. It's it's too much. We don't need all this information. I don't know. How are you guys handling it? Yeah, I mean, I I was happy when you brought this up today because this is this has been a struggle I've like fought with like my whole life. Basically, I, I think I didn't. I became aware of it like in my mid twenties. Like this idea that you know dopamine is is a thing, um, and it's like this dragon that you sort of chase. Like there there, 
there's like these two chemicals in your brain that are really important, right? One is sort of like oxytocin and the other is like dopamine. Um, and they're kind of like opposites in a particular sense. Like dopamine is this like dragon you chase constantly. And like oxytocin is sort of like the cuddle, the cuddle hormone, the feel good one. And, um, when you like dopamine is this thing, it just like transcends like so many different activities you do. It's everything from like watching porn to scrolling through Instagram to like doing cocaine or whatever your, you know, illicit substance of choice is. Um, it, it's all the same pathway. And like all of these things in our lives kind of blend together to the point where we're, we're, we're like becoming these, these heroin addicts who are so wired that like they just like need their next fix and everything gets like totally messed up. And the reason I got like super jacked up back in the day is because like I used to be a professional poker player and I became like so good at playing multiple tables at a time. You know, I'd rig up my keyboard so Wasn't that I didn't like need 20? a mouse anymore. How many games I, at when, a time? So when I play high stakes, I would play fewer games. But if there weren't high stakes games running, I would drop down to like a lower game and I would play like 30 games at a time. All right. So I was playing like. 3,000 hands an hour sometimes. It was just like boom, 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 boom. It was, it was, it was crazy. It was like I was just playing this video game. I would not survive and, that. Yeah, well, like after a while, like after like years of doing this, like I, I did start to notice that like my like behavior was like changing in the real world. I noticed that like I became self-aware. I was becoming like really like irritable. My attention span was like shrinking to like nothing. Like people were annoying me. I was like kind of like unable to like get like satisfaction out of like smaller things in life. Like I needed just like overwhelming Ugh. stimulation to like wow. to get like I'd be watching a football game while scrolling on my phone while playing a video game on my iPad. It was just it was just like insane. Like my wow. brain was just like nonstop, nonstop. And I did like a I did like a two or three week dopamine fast at one point where you just cut everything out, like phone and everything. And like the first like few days were kind of annoying and that became like hell. And then like by like, I mean, it probably took like 14 days, honestly, to, to, to get anything. But like, I just, fe I felt like really good all the time, actually, once everything settled, like I would just exist in the world. I go outside and I'd be like, <laughs> look at that bird. It's so nice. There's a dog yeah, over man. there. Right? The ninth pre-iPhone. Like, I, I, I keep born like a hippie. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I'm, and I'm totally back there now. Like crypto's ruined me, right? Like I'm just always on Twitter. <laughs> I'm always trying to find the next coin, the next protocol, what's happening. And it's just like awful. Like honestly, I'm thinking about taking a little bit of a break right now. Just because. Well, like, that's I'm, definitely what I'm doing. Um, and that's actually, I, w I would love to lay out my personal protocol just for people who might be experiencing the yes. same but nick i uh, feel like you might have some uh tips for me as well like we were texting a little last night and i was just mentioning to you i'm like it's just too much i think that that this is a lie that like just because i'm not watching the news oh i'm i'm so modern I, I don't listen to the news but really i'm on every fucking app i'm on every like place I need to be to get the latest access to crypto. It, it It is the same thing in a remixed format for a Web3 junkie, actually, is what I, I was like, oh my God, I just realized this. And then I was like, well, what's missing? Uh, well, first of all, our trainer went viral. Shout out to Kyle Bogeman. <laughs> um, K Bogues. Yeah, K Bogues on YouTube. By the way, if you're into 
calisthenics and just getting fit in general. This guy is the most beastly, manly human being in the world. And he rightly just went viral very recently and like went from like 5,000 to 100,000 followers overnight on uh, YouTube. He has an incredible, incredible YouTube channel that we'll link to and and uh, you should definitely check out. Like absolutely phenomenal. We have the privilege of having trained with him in person and uh, obviously now he's very famous and he's getting like a million views every video. But anyway, I realized I was like, okay, I'm really missing that. But you think about this a lot as well. Like what are you doing to like fast information and I mean, this is uh, This is tough and in crypto in general, like, like Steven said, I mean, if, if you're trying to keep up in it and be an active investor and also just learn for the space long-term, it's a tough thing to, to, you, first of all, got to, I think, realize that you're never going to get everything and you have to be okay with that. You're not going to hear every project that comes out, but I think in general, I, I just want to be able to consume knowledge on my own terms. So I don't want notifications. I don't want you know, I'm, I'm do not disturb 24 seven, have zero notifications, uh, popping up on my phone. And so at least like, if I want to dedicate 30 minutes to like seeing what's going on, it's on my terms, not on, not on someone else's. I think that that helps. Um, and then curating your, your Twitter feed is, has been the most powerful learning tool I think I've had. And yes, the curation is, is ongoing. We always like to use the phrase, like you're the average of the five people you hang around the most, and you're going to become the average of the people who allow you to feed you, you allow to feed you information. So you have to be particularly good about it. And the cool thing about Twitter is that you can, uh, dissect, you know, Oh, what, what kind of information you want to hear. Um, whereas in like typical cable channels, you're not able to do that as, as precise. And so I think that's, that's important. And there's a whole list of things that I know I should do, but I don't do, you know, which is like meditate frequently and like get out in nature more and dump the phone. I remember when we came back from our Kilimanjaro hike, like I didn't pick up my phone like for multiple days. Cause I was like, well, I don't, I just learned, I don't really need it. I don't need any information. You know, I don't need to like, you know, pipe my knowledge full, you know, my brain full of like whatever's going on in CNBC. Um, and then it slowly creeps up and back again. So there's a whole list of things that I know I probably should do, but, but don't do. But anyway, I think just making sure you consume information on your own terms is probably the, the, the best thing, but by no means. You're making uh, it sound really simple, but that's really important. It's really important. I mean, Eric, you're ninety-eight you're I mean, percent of people are not on their own terms. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Eric, that? you're you're kind of straddling crypto and traditional markets, and like <laughs> I like to do that. It's like almost like addicted to it. But like, um, you know, how are you straddling both? Because you're managing crypto money and traditional money. You have to you have to straddle both worlds, and that's like seems like the worst of it out of any of us. It is. It is. Uh, it's hard, uh, but it goes back to that fisherman's. The Mexican fisherman parable that Armand brought up. It's like, okay. how much do you want to devote to your efforts to like scratching and clawing and striving to, to, you know, like achieve the next thing versus like, Hey, you're doing what you, you're doing what you actually like right now and just enjoy that. And don't, you don't have to fight so hard. So like where I'm at, is like, I, I, I resonated with what you said, like you're doing it on your terms. I've been doing it on my terms for a long time. And, you know, like my, my intellectual curiosity is going to continue to push me to learn more and more, but you know, it's not this constant pursuit of like, Oh my God, what am I missing? What's the FOMO? What am I, what am I missing that I'm not like striving for? Um, so, I mean, this is a whole nother conversation. Well, not to get like too 
deep into this, but like, I mean, honestly, I'm curious as like a friend, like, where do you think that started? Like, how do you, what would you, what advice would you give to a friend who's like the complete opposite, who like can't handle that feeling of getting enough, needs more, can't itch it enough. Like, where do, how have you learned to develop I need more that edge. feeling? How do I yeah, get my how edge? How have you learned just, yeah. to just be content? It's a, it's a question of contentness is what you have out of all of us by far the best. I commend you for that. I always have admired that about you. I think it's amazing. You're content. How do you do that? Help. I, there's no answer. There's no answer. It's like a, it's uh YMMV on Reddit. It's like your mileage may vary. It's, it's, it's just a personal thing. Like, you know, my, my personality, personality. is, my personality is personality is that, upbringing. Like, everything yeah and and you know like having a bigger picture in mind maybe it's like having a wider perspective maybe but like maybe not you know like, i'm not trying is, to is say your, that, is like, your personality though just like a different layout of like dopamine receptors in your brain like maybe your brain just doesn't have the highs and the lows like and maybe my right. brain is like a crackheads like brain like maybe I am just super susceptible to the dopamine rush and the dopamine crash, you know, because like when you talk about like contentment, like a lot of a lot of like contentment and people are like, oh, you got to you got to wake up at 4 a.m. and you meditate and all this stuff. But like for me, like like when I think back in my life and I've been like really content for periods, like so much of it actually just directly correlates to just like just just like turning the noise down. Like when I go to when I go through long periods where I like reduce the stimulation or I take long breaks or like I had a period like a month ago where I bet my buddy like like a hundred bucks a night that I would just sleep with my phone in the kitchen. Oh. <laughs> and for those two weeks, like I was like so peaceful. Like the first night I was like definitely tweaking like a crackhead, right? Like in bed. Like I was just like reaching. Wait, why aren't we all why aren't we all know there. this is good for us? Why aren't we all doing this? Like because we're addicts like we we yes. should do it and we won't do it because we're literal addicts but like those two weeks like i woke up in the morning and then i was just like well i guess i'll just get out of bed because there's Last nothing night, else i can I do i was out of phone. bed like an hour earlier and then my yeah. brain wasn't immediately just filled with stupidity <laughs> and like stimulation right like i like went outside i looked at the sun come up i sipped a coffee i like pet my dog like everything was like really good and i was like this is amazing i'm gonna do this forever and then as soon as the bet was up i went back to my phone in my room and i've been there ever since and it's like two hours before i fall asleep and like an hour when i wake up it's so bad i like i like think about my screen time and like all of it's not dead time i do learn a lot of stuff i do make a lot of money doing it but it's it's definitely hurting me more than it's helping me i'll be the this is this is my public cry for help to anybody who's listening. Please. Steven has his has his head in his hands. For those who are not watching on YouTube, Steven is full stress. Oh, right. Beautiful. Steven, I'm gonna need you to convert the fund into BTC, ETH, and stable coins, stake it in curve, and take a vacation. <laughs> Can I? That'd be great. Oh, Steven's vacation yeah. is is actually including uh writing a best man speech. So stress does not stop. Oh gosh. And I get to go to court. Oh tomorrow. man, we uh we purple pilled the hell out of everyone on this episode. We didn't really do any yeah. crypto. I feel like we should end with just a, a a tad bit. Um we don't always have to talk about crypto. It's fine. Do you have some good alpha? I know. My uh, alpha can is I, can I give, people can I, really can I, here's I some alpha for people. Invest in the the those like fancy clear ice cubes. Like, oh my god. Like <laughs> 
when you talk about like what you get for your money, it's it's such Nobody a Nobody wants increase, that. Right? Nobody needs that. Oh my Nobody God. wants like, that. No, no. Somebody no. out there is drinking whiskey with some shitty like cloudy Wait, cubes and their can life we, is about to change. Can we drop our uh, our looks? Like can we commend ourselves for our looks alpha? Because that looks alpha was fucking spot Please on. explain, Eric. Please explain. Fire. Well, yeah. So a couple episodes ago, maybe maybe the last one or two last two episodes episode. ago, last episode we talked about this token that we were all invested in staking called Looks Rare, and we we mentioned how the the cliff is looming, the cliff where they're mm-hmm. gonna decrease the rewards, and we said, you know, you got to be careful with this cliff looming. Uh, you know, like we even if you believe in this thing long term, which we we might, I personally do. Uh, you you got to watch out for this cliff that's looming, and sure enough, the the token dropped by you know maybe forty percent, thirty percent, something like that. From at the time of recording, it was five hundred or five dollars and fifty cents last time we recorded when we mentioned it, which was almost a near peak. Hope you sold. And currently, it's at three dollars and fifty cents. So I think the alpha is like you know it would have been a good time to sell at that moment um, ahead of everyone else selling uh, into that rewards decrease. And then the further alpha is, you know, I think February 10th is when um, the rewards kind of half and we'll let the market kind of settle and figure out what the right price is. But looking I mean, to I, kind I of bought, maybe re-enter. I, again. I re-entered. Cool. First of all, yeah, I think you guys keep I'll mispronouncing be it. it. It's called alfalfa, not alpha. Oh, sorry. And, and, <laughs> and secondly, the real alfalfa is you should be listening to us and following along. That's the real alfalfa. <laughs> you would have saved I, yourself I got 40%. A, I, I got one more. But also, I, don't, I don't do at. anything that we say, please. Yeah. <laughs> right. I think you know a, what we mean. <laughs> I'm looking at uh, kind of in the in the looks rare category. I'm looking mm-hmm. at Im- Immutable X because there are they are a layer two which will hold which will serve as a platform to a bunch of NFT marketplaces. They just announced like a partnership with GameStop. GameStop's going to have a, a a game NFT marketplace. And so I've been looking at this this token. I think right now it's kind of below the ICO price currently. Um, and I'm trying to dig into the tokenomics to see if the token actually reflects um, if it if if the platform's value accrues to the token. And it's not particularly clear to me, but like I guess that's just something I'm I've been looking oh, at and trying to dig God, into. That is a that is a gross chart. The IMX. Oh, major oof. Or yeah. It's just down it's just I mean, down only. This is GameStop partnership, brief blip, and then and then we're, <laughs> we're I, th- I think GameStop that. took the rewards that they got and just straight up sold it into cash, by the way, which might be the reason that no, they dumped it. Did they? They fully dumped oh, they all one hundred million they got. They dumped it. Oh no, say it itself. Oh God. Anyway, you know, this thing peaked at nine dollars. It's currently at $2.72. Again, maybe not fully underwater to win it. ICO, I don't actually know what the, the right, right price was, but it's below where, where it debuted at on the coin market cap chart. Wow. So I think it's interesting that we should probably further investigate it because, you know, if, if Immutable X is going to be the layer two for gaming and for yeah. marketplaces, it is a is a way to kind of play well, the market. Um, it's just a matter of whether the the value accrues to the token or not. Yep, and, and that's, and, and that's let's what not forget, hopefully we'll figure out over the next week. So most importantly, are I think the real well first, Gary V also played a major role um, recently with that with his new 
secondary NFT launch uh, being on Immutable X as well. And I think we'll see more and more of that. So that just kind of plays into the NFT marketplace idea that you mentioned. I mean, I, I followed my 10% rule of just bought 10% immediately and, you know, didn't, wasn't sure I wanted to ape in. And so put my 10% in, um, and then, you know, trying to understand whether the, the value on this platform accrues to the token, it does have this, um, uh, fee for purchasing an NFT on, on these, uh, immutable X marketplaces where I think, um, there, there is a fee and 20% of that fee has to be paid in IMX. For the user, it's a seamless interaction. Uh, the 20% of their ETH automatically gets um, uh, converted into IMX. So there is this market buy of the IMX token to pay for the fee. So you know, you could assume that, well, if there's enough volume on this thing, there could be enough market purchases to push the price higher. But I think there's a lot more to, to dig into to, to figure out if IMX is the platform of choice for you know, play in games and NFT marketplaces in general. Um, does it is it going to accrue to value? I think it was safe to say that the VC round, you know, they definitely uh, saw the value, uh, you know, accrue to them. Uh, it's a question of whether the token holders right now will, will benefit from uh, Mutable X growing. I, I think it will, but we, we need to kind of do some further research. But some, you know, uh, no hard decision now, but some definitely mm-hmm. worth looking into as a play on you know, NFT growth in general outside of OpenSea and outside of looks. Awesome. Um, anyone have any last uh, alfalfa? I thought I would just mention my little experiment I'm going to do and maybe report on it next time. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So like I played this experiment before where I had a second phone and uh, I have a primary iPhone. It does not work to get an Android because the whole idea was, oh, I just get a cheap second phone. Um, but when you switch your SIM card from an iPhone to an Android, you're you're asking for hell. So you want to make sure that you're switching from an iPhone to an iPhone or an Android to an Android. You can get a cheap used one online. Or what I bought was like, I bought like uh, one on Amazon. Um, they have a reseller program, you know? So I bought like an iPhone 10 at a nice price that is like warranted for 90 days. That's just like a little nerd Um nuanced detail there. The whole point of this is to have a secondary phone that only has the most essential apps that do not, like, it's not about the notifications. It's not about anything other than screen time does not solve the problem. Like screen time limitations. I've played with every possible solution. What it ultimately comes down to is you have to remove the drug from the environment. There's no other way. You cannot have access to the drug. The only way to do that is to plug my SIM card into a different phone that does not contain the drug whatsoever to make sure the other phone is off, not on airplane mode with Wi-Fi access so that I can go check Instagram. No, (laughs) off and switch from phone to phone. What I've done in the past, which has worked incredibly well, uh, and again, all I'm really doing is I've already done this experiment before, but I just, instead of having an Android, I wanted a secondary iPhone. What I've done is I basically had this phone that I used on the weekends only. And as soon as Friday night hits, I plug into my secondary phone and it has text. It has calls. It has audible so that I can listen to books. It's got Spotify. 
so I can listen to music, uh, you know, WhatsApp, whatever. And if maybe like one or two other things for like reading and learning like Kindle and matter app and stuff like that outside of that, Oh, Google maps, Lyft, Uber, nothing else, nothing else. But sorry, this is your weekend phone. This is my weekend phone. This is what I generally do on the weekends. Oh, now, it's the weekend phone. The weekend phone. And what I'm going to do going forward. And Tiger Woods also had two phones. Let's put that in there. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> now, what I'm going to do, what I'm going to do going forward <laughs> is actually try to uh, like find a new balance where this becomes my majority phone. So I would like okay. this to be used more than 50% of the time is the goal. So I'm going to move it from weekend phone to like Monday. I'm going to, I'm, I'm basically trying to do like Monday through you know Friday through Monday phone and then just work my way to having like at least a 50% balance between these two phones. But I think the way it's going to play out, which I've already exper experimented with this in the past is that I'm going to be more peaceful. I'm going to be more present. I'm going to uh, just generally be, calmer. And I think that, and more content. And I think that's very, very important because I can just feel myself getting access to way too much information more than I ever needed in the first place. What if you miss the alfalfa? What if you miss it? You guys will text it to me <laughs> yeah. and, and the listeners will get it if they DM us on Twitter and join the alfalfa community. <laughs> I look, I, I look forward to your update on that. I feel like it's hopeless for me because I tried to delete Twitter and I ended up just going on it on Safari and I can't remove Safari. You like end and around I just your like, block. I ended no, around my, yeah, I logged into Twitter on my, and I, at first I was like, oh, it's already so much extra this. work. I won't do it. And then, oh, you did? Tell me, how do you? Don't log in. And oh, like, oh, okay. Like, no, like don't, don't log don't, in. That is a big crack. deal. Just, no, just don't, don't do it. Don't log in on the browser to your Twitter. If I send you a Twitter link on text, right? You might want to open it. You open it and you might go down the rabbit hole, but at least you can like, you can't, you can't, there's no way you to completely told, take the crash from you. Unless the alcoholic, you, you know, just don't, don't drink alcohol. <laughs> Look, the only other solution is oh, flip, okay. phone. <laughs> flip phone and get off the internet is the only other flip solution. Phone, flip phone might be the way. Yeah. I mean, Team I talked to Nick about this. We considered it, but I think you ultimately, you, it's nice to have your Google maps and your technology to a certain degree. Like you got to have that stuff to a certain degree. All right. It's a good purple pill episode. I like it. <laughs> yeah. This is a good change. All right. That's a wrap. Any final uh, comments or asks? Nah, wrap it up. Let's do it. Let's go out on top later. Peace. Later, boys. See you guys next time. Bye. All right, you little DGens, that's it for today. I hope you enjoyed. Head to alfalfapod.com for all of our links and socials. And if you want some real alpha, head to collectiveshift.io and join thousands of members getting the latest insights and alerts from a team of expert research analysts all there to help you create more wealth and freedom through crypto. And don't forget to use our discount code alfalfa for 50% off your first month. Until next time, see you then. Peace.